Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, Ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others, here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting adventure of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my co-host all the way from Tucson, Patricia Kirkman. PK, how are you tonight? Absolutely fabulous, getting ready for that man in the red suit to show up. (laughs) And slide down the chimney with a lot of gifts. (laughs) Why not? One, I'm waiting for him. Why not? My goodness. Well, we've had several weeks of high-intensity guests, and tonight we have another guest. I can't wait to bring him on, Chuck Bergman. He is a psychic cop, and that's the name of his book, actually, which is phenomenal. Psychic Cop is the name of it. He was a police officer in Salem right here in Massachusetts. We're going to bring him on in a few minutes, but first, Let's check in on the numbers, and then we're going to pick up a little bit from the last few shows we've had. So, PK, tell us what's happening. Well, firstly, Aquarius is going to rule 2021. So come February, we're going to have seven planets in the sign of Aquarius. So that's going to be the last time that this took place was in the Dark Ages. And after this took place, the beginning, the plagues ended, a spirit shift began, and it all will start again in 2021. So the mind and the spirit are going to become very uplifted by what's taking place. So that's a good part of learning. This month is all about secrets being made. Made known, things coming out. The unexpected, expect the unexpected. That's about the size of it from the numbers. But I just a little tidbit. You know, we're all running around getting everything ready for the holidays and that. Do pay attention how color affects us. I'm going to put it on my Facebook page for everybody to take a look at. But if you take a look at your month and day of birth, add it to a single number and know that this has been a four universal year. Add the four to that. It will tell you what your personal number is. And I'll give you a list of what colors are the best for you to wear at this point in time. So it makes it really nice, even if you go by what the month is. This month itself is a seven, so purple is a a perfect color for the month. But if you're looking for a job or getting things redone, try red because that will give you more of a boost. And colors that deal with healing, it's green, very relaxing, very comfortable. So I have a list of the, the numbers, how to find your number, and what colors work for the perfect thing that you're trying to take care of at this time. That might help us a little bit through the holiday. I think that's great. So your Facebook page is which one? You have several. So which fa- Facebook page should they go to? Is the one the numerologist? On the, yes, the numerologist page. Uh-huh. That, okay. That's going to be coming up with that, plus more tidbits about 
how to make the new year work in their positive side. That we need. Whatever goes, but I'm really affect us, and people don't realize how much we're affected by color and how we feel about it. So it's a holiday. Everybody's upbeat. So the reds are good because they keep everybody happy. Golds are good, the oranges and such. But when it, when we start to look at the spiritual side, the blues and purples help us kind of ground and put us in the right frame of mind. After all, it is Christ's birthday, isn't it? Yes. Yes. We get a chance to get some new things taking place, but I'm going to start putting on some oh, some teasers as far as lessons go. Uh, each month I'm going to add something else that they can learn simply by looking at what your own personal number is, what's a positive that will go along for that month for you. I figured it might help all of us because God knows we need we need something uplifting. <laughs> I know, this is here. Everybody. Yes, well, that's wonderful, PK. Thank you for doing that. It's a wonderful gift to our entire audience, and this is uh, a wonderful way to start off Christmas with that. So thank you for doing that. We're happy to do it. We all need that boost, don't we? Yeah, we all do need it. Now, the last few weeks we've been talking to a number of fabulous people, one of them, Paul Blake Smith, who wrote a book called President Eisenhower's Close Encounters. And I just want to remind everybody about that book because it's still number one on Amazon in the history category. It is doing extremely well. It's it's a great book, as PK, you and I know, because we read it. And I highly recommend it as a Christmas gift for anybody who's a history buff or anybody who's a UFO buff. So President Eisenhower's Close Encounters, it's available on Amazon.com and probably in your local bookstores. So, anyways, oh. we had Paul on, and he was great. And then we had William Stickevers, the famous astrologer, on, who also brought us our guest tonight. And William was tremendous. He did two shows uh, talking about the astrological predictions. It looked like it was going to be a rough ride, and he's kind of right, yeah, <laughs> right? We'd all agree with William. And then last week we had Captain Kramer on, our our most requested guest, he came back and told us some things we probably didn't want to hear. But, again, always great to talk to Captain Kramer. But he did talk about international conflict and what's in the news today and has been in the news uh, since he told us about this is a possibility of international global conflict So with the Chinese and possibly Russia, possibly Iran. But he focused more on the Chinese. So it was a fascinating show if you didn't hear it then be sure to go back in the archives, listen to any of them. They're always available at your convenience to listen to. And the one thing I hope Captain Kramer is not right about is the alien appearance. She didn't sound too friendly, so no, we'll they have do to see. No, they do the scary part. Yeah. And as you know on I'm our not, show, we, we, we really... We invite our guests to come here with great respect. I mean, we respect all our guests. We respect their opinions. We may not agree sometimes, but uh, we're here to allow them a platform and to entertain everybody and give you new information you might not have known before. But one thing PK and I just wanted to mention, we are strong proponents of listening to your gut. And I know the captain was kind of against that in some ways, and he's more on the discernment side which is fine, you know, and that we respect his opinion. 
we also feel it's extremely important to listen to your gut. Your gut feelings are not wrong, but you have to get to that connection where you're actually listening to your gut, and it is your gut, and it's not something outside of you. So we encourage you all to continue to develop that within yourselves, and we know it will help keep you happy and safe and follow your own path. So tonight, again, we have a psychic cop, and this is unusual. I don't think we've ever had a psychic cop on the show, right, PK? We haven't. So, no. I don't believe so. This is our first. Maybe our only. Chuck's book is really very interesting, very interesting. Yes. It's it's a great book, Psychic Cop, and Chuck was a police officer right here in Massachusetts, in Salem, of all places. But he found out he had the ability to communicate with the other side in his childhood. Now, he is very well known around the world. He's been profiled on A&E, the Biography Channel, has been on many TV specials and, and big radio shows, including Coast to Coast. But in addition to that, he's worked with numerous law enforcement agencies across the country and ongoing investigations. He also gives individual readings and group readings. So Chuck does it all, and he's here with us tonight to share all of his adventures. So, Chuck, welcome to the show. So happy you're here. Oh, thank you. What an honor to be on your show. I've done a little bit of research on, you know, your guests and what's going on and very impressed with it. You may have a permanent listener listener now, but I will not listen anymore if you bring that William Steckovers back on. <laughs> he um when he's on, it's worse than having to listen to PK because I don't know half of what you were just speaking about, the color and the number and the <laughs> for some reason well, astrology is something that. I do not understand. I don't get it. I respect it and people that do it are very good at it. But I'm jokingly saying that that guy is a master and even pk i could tell that you know what you're doing and i think there's a whole new world there for me if i could get someone to explain it to me well i'm sure that we can can help you with that (laughs) definitely and well thank you for also the compliment on on our show and our guests we we really do make an effort to bring people uh very very exciting guests like you chuck because my goodness what an exciting life you have and let's start at the beginning because this gift of sight you've had since what you were five five years old yes tell us what happened how how did this all evolve because everybody likes to know how did this get started for you yeah for me it was a very unusual thing where i wanted to be a patrol boy a crossing guard if you will you know, I knew I could do that when I got into sixth grade if my grades were up. And the patrol boys here in Florida, they'd have this little sash going across with a badge on it and then a uh, a flag on a handle on a, you know, on like a broomstick or whatever. And they would step out and stop traffic and let kids cross the side streets, certainly not the busy roads, but the side streets. And that was something I wanted to do. So one day I was doing that in the backyard. I had made my own little, you know, broomstick with a flag on it, a little red flag. And our house was set up so that we, we actually had a driveway that went to the garage that was seated, uh, seated in the back of the property. So I pretended like that was my little roadway. And when I went to put a badge on, I had to make one out of aluminum foil. 
but it kept falling off and falling off and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to make it stay on on the little strap that I had made. And all of a sudden a man's voice came into my head and he said, don't cry. Don't, you know, everything will be okay. One day you'll be wearing a real badge. Mm. But to, to me, when I heard it to this day, I remember how clear the audio was and how calming and, and it was just like, like a middle-aged man's voice saying that everything was okay. So I went in and, you know, told my mother about it, and she ran out back to see if there was, you know, any kind of a wacko looking over the fence or someone that shouldn't <laughs> be in our yard or, you know, figure out what's going on. And there was no one there, of course. So then she did what most moms will do. Like, that's okay. you know, it's your imagination. That's all it is. Don't worry about it. It wasn't until after my mom had passed away that I found out she was a medium, and so was her mom. And that was oh. many years later. But to make this story, uh, just to show you, it seems like I had a few things happen as a child, and later it all went away. You know, it's like I was too busy. I had joined the Navy. I even fought in the Vietnam War while on an aircraft carrier. And once I got out of the Navy, I, it was the military that took me up to the Boston area, you know, from Florida. They were going to decommission the ship up there. And when my four years was up, I, I got out. I was still in Boston, and I had my choice, either come back to Florida or form a life there in uh, in New England. So I did. And I got married, had two beautiful daughters, and everything was going really well. And it wasn't until I retired and came back home to Florida that I – I mean, I had different things happen while I was up in – uh, meditation classes, mediumship classes. I got to do quite a bit. And actually, I was up in Salem when this happened, where I went for a uh, reading, because I started knowing when I was working in a police car, I would know when there's going to be an accident on my beat. I would almost see the people, and I would see the carnage and stuff like that, and say, you know, wow, this is coming up. And within minutes, the broadcast would come over the radio uh, to tell me where to go for the accident. Wow. So I started questioning, what is this? Why do I know this stuff before it happens, and why am I seeing like little video clips? So I went to have a reading, which is easy to do in Salem. The shops are on every corner. Yes, it certainly is. <laughs> and it's really great, though. And the one lady, Barbara Strafansky, who's who was very well known in Salem, I had a reading with her, and we sat there, and she's giving me my birth date and all this stuff she had no way of knowing. And the beautiful part of the story at the end of it, she said, Chuck, if you ever have another reading, come back and see me. I really like your mom, but I love her British accent. And mom is from England, and this lady had no way of knowing that. So huh? it was after wow. that that her and I became pretty, you know, real good friends. I actually joined her meditation group, joined her uh, um, mediumship group after that, and stayed with it. Now, didn't you have Phenomenal. some experiences also when you were actually active on the force to the point where your chief brought you into his office? <laughs> he did. What happened is as I got more and more involved with people and started doing readings, and I, I still had to keep it under the table somewhat. And at one point, um, I had met James Van Prague, the world-renowned medium. And when I met him, he the first thing he said to me at a book signing was, Hmm, I feel like I know you. Is your mother in spirit? And I said, yes. And he said, and I believe she's from England. <laughs> I said, yes. And he said, so is my mother. 
and your mother is telling my mother that you can do this as well as I do it. So it kind of put him and I in a, in a funny place where we became friends immediately. And he put me on his website. In fact, I'm still on there as a psychic detective. He put me on there as a you know person to be trusted to do readings. So it was one afternoon, you know, I got called into the chief's office at work. And it was funny because while he's sitting at the desk and leaning back, he said, Chuck, we need to talk about something. His monitor was being reflected in the mirror, you know, in the window behind him. And I could see the James Van Prague website on his computer monitor. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so I know it was one of those uh-oh moments. Uh-oh, I think I'm in trouble here. And it was it was funny the way he worded it. He said, you know, this isn't going to go over too well in court if you have a case. And the defense attorney brings up like, well, aren't you hearing voices? <laughs> you know, like, that's not going to look very good. And it was so funny because I just turned to him pointing and pointed to our police patch, which to this day is still a witch riding a broomstick because Salem <laughs> is the witch city. I said, chief, look at this. I said, people are okay with that. I said, why wouldn't they be okay with you know, spirit communication. And bottom line, we did make the agreement that I, I would keep the department out of it until I retired, of course. And I don't, I don't rely on that too much on, on that background because there are people who will say, of all places, he's, he's in Salem and they've got a witch on a broomstick. That's evil. So I don't want to correlate the two. To me, there's nothing evil about contacting a mom, dad, child, sister, brother, it, to me, it's pure love. It's nothing that the devil or a witch or witchcraft or, you know, there's nothing bad about it. Definitely not. I thoroughly agree with you. And even Wiccan, you know, I was very friendly with uh, Salem's official witch, Lori Cabot. If you're in Massachusetts, you probably yep, we know heard Lori, her name. Lori Cabot was, yes. Yeah, yeah, she was very well known. And it's funny, she would wear her, you know, her cape and hat and everything. And I would be in uniform, and I'd be sitting at a table where they're having lunch. So people are walking in going, look at the cop <laughs> sitting there with the witch. <laughs> of course, I always had fun with it. I said, that's not a witch. That's my wife. And I'd walk out. <laughs> Just gave her a ticket for driving too fast <laughs> on her broom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, Salem is, is a... It's just amazing. I mean, it's an amazing place. It's very, very interesting. Of course, it has tremendous history. But when you were there as a police officer, were you able to use any of your abilities to solve crimes? Oh, yeah, the very first day on duty. What happened? This is this is very different. You wouldn't expect me to talk about this, but first day on patrol, they put me in a you know cruiser with another officer who had been there probably a couple of years. And we backed into an area, and he's just kind of pointing out, you know, how we would go about stopping cars and different things like that. And while he was talking and everything, a certain car went by, and I went, quick, go pull that station wagon over. He says, why, why, what do they do, what do they do? I said, just pull them over, I'll I'll tell you in a minute. He pulls them over and still didn't notice what I had noticed. We stopped the person, and it happened to be a, a lady driving, and it was a station wagon. I said, well, I see you've been drinking today. And she said, well, I had one or two, yeah. And she said, how would you know that? I said, oh, I know. And I said, in fact, I can tell you it was a gin and tonic with a lime in it. And she, and she said, she said, you're absolutely right, but I don't get it. I don't get it. What had happened is she was apparently having a mixed drink at her house in a glass. 
walked over to her car to get in and put the drink on the roof of the car. So she's driving down the street with a mixed drink on on the top of the car, which is why I wanted my partner to pull it over. I knew that was going to be a funny first stop for me. Yeah. And uh, I said, here, and I reached on the roof and handed her the drink. I said, was this yours? And she said, yes. And I said, okay, oh, just, uh, you know, don't drink any more of it, you know, and I'm not going to charge you with it because, to be honest, if I go to court with that, the attorney would say, hey, Chuck, how far can you drive sober with a mixed drink on top of your car? Oh, And you're claiming she was intoxicated and did it. <laughs> so, Very interesting to think that would be. You know, and, and all in all, even that did her good. You know, I'm sure she thinks twice now about the drinking and driving part. Um, I guess so. Yeah, and I especially, so. yeah. she's probably going, I hope that Chuck's not around again because he'll know. <laughs> right. Oh, that's too funny. But that was Gosh. funny. But this, as far as using it for actual cases and everything, I really didn't, and it has to do with whether the other officers believed in it or not, they all had their own little position and their own uh, method for handling cases. So it's almost like they, if they would use me, for instance, which they did not, it would be more to test me to see if I'm accurate or not. And then what you get would be, they'd be either holding back information or saying no to something that's a yes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reasons why I knew better than to let my own department you know, make use of what I do. What a shame. It's a big loss for any department, I think, that has somebody as talented as you. And mm-hmm. they just can't, uh, you know, wrap their minds around it, I guess. What do you think their problem is? I'm not sure, other than it would be difficult to explain in court, well, we we knocked on this door or we found the body because a psychic told us to do it. You know, it does... Mm-hmm. It kind of gets away from law enforcement standards. It, it's mm-hmm. to me, if you find the body, that's all that matters, you know. And I've had some very unusual cases where we've found the body every time. Tell us about some of those, Chuck, because that is a really important aspect of any case. It gives the family closure. So tell us about those. Well, the one that pops up is one I did in uh, right around the Sarasota area where, because I'm still interested in how the information comes in, why does it come in, how accurate is it, and all of that. But uh, in fact, they videotaped me when this happened. It was a, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend. I think they'd just gotten engaged. It was New Year's Eve. They had a, uh, a hotel room right on the water. And the boyfriend allegedly left to go join another party, which didn't make sense. Well, if you're with your fiance in a hotel room that you've rented right on the beach, why would you leave to go join your buddies to have a drink and then come back? Well, you know, it just didn't make any sense that he would even do that. But what happened was, yeah, the, and his story is when he came back, she had taken her own life. But what I appreciate on this is me not knowing anything at all. All I knew was, um, the female had taken her own life. That's the, all the information they had. I went to that. The uh, hotel people were kind enough to give us the room for the whole day to see if we could see see what I could get. And it was strange. As soon as I walked in, I looked around the living area and I said, 
It didn't happen in here. I walked into the kitchen. I said, no, this is clean. Nothing in here either. And then there was like a room off to the side, and then there was a bathroom. And what are the odds that I would select the bathroom? And then I said, this is where she was found in the shower stall. And I see her hanging from the shower head by what looks like a dog leash. Oh, oh wow. Exactly how, exactly how she was found. And to me, when you can get that kind of perfection in, in an image, almost like I had seen photographs or something, and I, mm-hmm. I would never go into what I call go into a case dirty. If I know too much about a case, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to go into it. Because then you're going to be prejudiced and you won't come out with the correct information. Every time you get information, you're going to say, no, that doesn't fit what I've been told, so it's not going to work. I like to go in fresh. I yeah. like to know just a little, but I don't want to know a lot. And as it turned out, uh, I don't know where we stand with that case today, mm-hmm. but I was able to prove that she was actually murdered by her fiance. God, you know, and, and by the way, that ended up on the Dr. Phil show. And when I watched it, one of the interesting things was they don't have a time on him leaving to go join his buddies. Mm-hmm. Because he had one of those passes for the highway, so when you go through a toll booth, you don't have to pay a toll. You know, I forget what right. they call it, something here in Florida. I've got one in my car, but rarely use it. But anyway, he was so clever. When he left, he didn't want to show the time that he left. He just wanted proof that he came back and joined her around midnight. That's all he wanted. So when he left, he ended up dodging those and paying the toll by, you know, by giving them money. And little did he know that they were still taking his license plate, and that could be queried, and they had pictures of him hitting every toll booth. So that alone, to me, that's a guilty person. Why are you evading using your highway pass and paying tolls unless there's some kind of a, you know, a reason for it? And his reason was he didn't want to be tracked as far as leaving, leaving it, leaving the condo or the apartment, uh, the hotel room. After he had murdered her, he didn't want any record of that, that timing. In fact, he claimed he had been with his buddies all night, and then he went to join her, which really doesn't make sense. New Year's Eve, you're going to show up around midnight to see your fiancé in a hotel room. That doesn't make sense at all. No, it doesn't add up. But you're saying it's still outstanding, so has he not been charged? I don't know. I just haven't followed the case. I don't know where they're at with it, you know. And I do know the guy took a lie detector for for the show, and and they said that was the most miserable fail they've ever seen with anyone. He was he was that bad of a liar. They said. Oh my God. Lord. So, oh, so, I, my I, so I still don't know. I think he's one of these people that when he does something, he believes what he says. You know, and pathological liar. Who knows? Yeah, yep. They do believe their own lies. That is for sure. Now, we have a caller on the line. Let me just uh, bring this person on. This is someone from area code 434 who has a question. Hi. Hello. Who is this calling in? This is You're live on the air. Do you have a question for Chuck? Yes, Khalil. Hi, Chuck. Do you have a question for Chuck tonight? Uh, It's Khalil. I was wondering if this is a psychic show. Well, we have well, uh, we have Chuck Bergman on, and he is a psychic. He's known as the psychic cop, 
And do you have a question for him? Uh, can I ask a second question for him? Go ahead. Um, I I don't know if I've spoken on your show before, but um, I was at a um, I remember I was talking to somebody, an officer, and he was saying that um, at presidential events they have um, they basically have people posted at um, like federal agents posted in one particular spot and they they can't leave that spot. And I was wondering when um, I was at the presidential event if the same person, the same woman that was um, that was there with the sunglasses, if she was in the same spot, she was at the same spot at um, when I first got there as to when I needed help finding my phone. Does it sound familiar? So you're asking me, not at all. Are you asking okay. me if I was there? No, I was asking like if like because you're if uh, the same woman that was there like the same woman that I saw when I first got there was the same woman that was there at the at the hill at the um where I was when I lost my phone and if she was one of the ones that helped me a couple of people helped me when I needed help. That's good to hear, but no, I say I wouldn't be able to to help out with that kind of universal knowledge. You know, it's not like I know everything. It's I I more or less zero in on either uh, people losing a loved one or a tragic death, if you will. That's more the type of stuff I do. But what you're speaking about, uh, it just would be out of my realm completely. All right. Now okay, she could well, have had abilities, you. and maybe that's what maybe that's what you're asking. Huh? Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your call. I'm going to put you back on hold so you can listen to the rest of the show. Thank you. So let's go back to what we were talking about with the cases where you actually could find a body and uh, report what you felt had happened. So, because some of these bodies are really tough to find. I mean, oh, a yeah. lot of times you read these cases and they're like begging the murderers who finally admits he did it or she did it, please tell us where the body is. They just can't easily find bodies. So how do you, how do you do that? How do you find somebody? who's been murdered and left somewhere unlikely. You know, how do you do that? You know, it's sort of on the idea of what happened in that uh, hotel room where I knew where to look and I knew where the body ended up. I knew where, you know, where the, where it had happened because there's always high energy left around an area like that. If I had just rented that um, hotel room to spend the night and didn't know that there had been, you know, something that tragic in there, I would probably be awake all night just sensing the energy and and knowing knowing that it was that evil or that bad. I may not get it. I may not know why, but I would know that that kind of energy was there. So on that idea, this one might surprise you where there was a national case going on about a young man who was attending college in Germany. And while over there, he went to a, um, a concert with a, his roommate. And the next day when they came home, uh, only one came home. So the boy missing, it was a big mystery what happened to him. And, and even questions like, did the roommate do something to him? Not that there was any real evidence that, that he had reason to, but you never know. And it was the first time I actually did a case over Skype. Oh, and okay. the only reason, yeah, the only reason I got involved is 
a family member who had already had a reading from me knew this family and said that Chuck would probably be able to help you and tell you where your son's body is. And if it was foul play, he'll probably know that right away too. So here they are in Germany. I'd never done a Skype reading for murder or for a missing person even. And I thought, I don't know how that's going to work. I've never been to Germany. But it was amazing because as soon as I got on, on Skype with the family, I described an area down by the creek or a little river, whatever it was, And when I described it, I said, it almost looks like a boat ramp, almost like cobblestones going into the water. And your son's telling me that no foul play. He was there intoxicated. He slipped on the rocks, went in the water, and now his body was taken downstream to the right. And the father, which was pretty amazing, he said, the area you described is exactly where we were searching today with divers. And the divers said, If you go in that area, there is no current going left or right. They weren't going to search in either direction because there is no current. There's no need to do that. And the very next day, less than 24 hours later, the body surfaced off to the right where I said it was or where he told me his body could be located. Oh, my goodness. And it was was good because, you know, and the family got to hear that it not his own doing, but he just had a few drinks and slipped on the rocks and didn't didn't expect to drown, but he did. And, you know, bodies that go underwater like that, typically within 24 hours, the chemical reaction in the body will cause it to float to the surface anyway. It'll become very bloated and it'll right. float. And that happened on its own, but it was pretty unique that it was downstream to the right. And I'll never forget when I gave that information, and this is really important, I gave all that information to the family. They had me on speakerphone, you know, while I was doing the reading on Skype. And at the very end of it, the dad said, I really appreciate what you've done, but I hope you're wrong. I said, I do too. I hope he comes home. You know, I hope I'm wrong. But I really don't want to be wrong. I don't want to get information that is inaccurate. Mm -hmm. Because in my agreement with the spirit world, because I do have agreements with them, is that if that had happened, I would never do that style reading again because I would not want to put a family through that and have them, you know, give them the wrong information, especially to tell them their loved one is deceased when they're not. I I wouldn't want that to happen. That's right. Yeah. I I mean, it's it's very bittersweet, I'm sure, because the family wants to know. But they, of course, prefer a positive outcome where their child comes home. And it's it's very, I can imagine for you, it's very difficult to give them that kind of oh, it's, information. It's, I, there are very few people, I think, that could take the stress from it all. You know, you, and you could end up national news that you gave the wrong information. Look what happened mm-hmm. to Sylvia Brown when she claimed that the young man was murdered and everything, and then he came back home alive. Right. I remember that. Yeah. You know, pe- people are looking that. for that kind of evidence against the psychic world. So you have to be more than careful, but a lot of times I'm putting myself out there. It's like, this is what I'm getting. I can't change it. I know what I saw. I know what I heard, but you know what I do too, because if you read the story in there about the California case where a young man had been missing for eight months, eight solid months, Mm -hmm. and they had search parties, they had helicopters, they had uh, news coverage looking for this young man. And when the fam- family got a hold of me, they said, 
everyone everyone's giving up. The police have made it a cold case. No one cares anymore. Could I help? And I started giving things. But see, what I base it on, the first thing I gave is I said, I'm seeing his fingers are a little on the bloody side, like he's got these gloves on with the fingers protruding through the end of the glove. But they're a little bloody. It looks like he's a rock climber. Does he Does he ever rock, climb rocks? And I remember the dad said, yeah, he was an avid rock climber. That's what he did. And then at another point I said, he's got me sitting in a pickup truck. It's a green Chevrolet pickup truck. Why would he bring that up? And and the dad said he owned a green Chevrolet pickup truck and that too was missing. So now I can, now I can trust. Now I'm building, if you want to call it a case, but now I can start trusting the, the information. But for me, there's always new items introduced to a reading that I have to learn how to negotiate around, how to work with it. And in that case, it was so bizarre. It's like I'm looking out the window of his pickup truck, and then all of a sudden, like a camera zooming in on the instrument cluster, I'm looking at the mileage on that little trip meter that we all have. And what was the, the mileage was 139, 139 miles. And he also, before that, gave me a uh, map coordinates of 0 to 0 degrees. So I said, if you go from your house, and he made it clear, from your home, go north, 0 to 0 degrees, 139 miles, whatever that spot is, it's a two-part name starting with the letter S, S blank, blank, space, and then the letter N as in Nancy. And the dad said, well, it's the Sierra Nevada mountains, and that's where he used to go climbing, mountain climbing. Oh, my. So when they followed everything through, I think it was really amazing. After searching eight months, not having a a grip on what really happened to him, uh, where the X ended up on a map, they took it to the police department in that area, and they had the local traffic helicopter fly over because I gave them one piece of information that was vital. I said, his pickup truck is at, at the location where you put the X, and his body is next to it. And when uh-huh. they flew a helicopter over where the X would be represented, they spotted a green Ford or a green Chevy pickup truck. They had to get up there on ATVs. It was that bad of an area that time of year, and there was the truck, and his body was next to it. Oh, so dear. that was 24 hours after having a reading, and yet before that they had searched for eight months. Gosh, and what happened to him? Why why did he die? Did you ever find out? Well, you know, I, I even picked up on that, and I don't want to give too much of his personal life, but he was engaged to get married, and his best friend let him down, if you know what I mean. Things went sour, mm-hmm. and now he's not getting married, and he was depressed. Oh, that's sad. Very. It, very, very, very sad. That's what I mean about, you know, people can say what they want about medium psychics but you you, you get a lot on your shoulders when you do this work that's well, for really sure do. yeah you do and not only that but i'm sure you've seen some pretty horrific images of of murdered bodies and that's that's a pretty tough thing to to sleep at night with is those images how do you deal with that you, you know it's almost like an agreement i have where if i'm out having a dinner or if i'm out at the supermarket it's like I couldn't connect if I wanted to. <laughs> it's kind of disappointing. Not to say I haven't had people come up to me and 
out of the blue and they already know who I am. They've either seen a thing on TV or whatever. And they'll just say, I really like your work or whatever. And I will give them something that I'm picking up on them that is totally unexpected. What was the the cutest one I did where I I was putting my son in the car seat. We just had a, a place at the local steakhouse and it was a darkened parking lot pretty much. But a young man came out of nowhere. I thought I was being robbed at first. He said, oh, no. "Sir, the people I'm he said the people I'm sitting with in that restaurant, they know you, and uh, they told me I should talk to you because my grandmother died a couple of months ago, and she was more than a mom to me, and I'd really love to hear from her. And I love this story because it tells how bold I have to be and how trusting I am of the the imagery and the feeling and and if they want me to do something, I've got to really trust it. And in this case, I wanted to take the fingernail on my uh, index finger, right hand, and go to the edge of his mouth on the left side of his mouth and scrape the skin going, you know, heading toward the ear, but only a certain distance. So I did that. I, I said, your grandmother's here right now, and this is what she wants me to do. And I scraped his skin like, you know, yeah. and he covered it with his hand and he started crying. He said when he was a little boy, he was running through the house. His grandmother was watching him, and he grabbed a fork, put it in his mouth, and then he fell down when she tried to grab him. Mm-hmm. And the fork went right through the side of his mouth and left an ugly, you know, had to go to the hospital and everything. But an ugly scar that stayed with him for years. But when I was talking to him, it had already healed. You know, he's much older. Mm-hmm. But for him, it was so perfect. And if I didn't trust and I didn't scrape the edge of his mouth, it never would have had that kind of impact with him. Yes. Yes. And what I liked about it is I said, God, I'd love to be a fly on the wall now when he goes back and tells that of everyone. You wouldn't believe what he told (laughs) me. What? That's so. Which is is cool because I I didn't go to the restaurant to give a reading or tune in to Spirit World or anything. You know, I just wanted to have time with my little guy, you know, my son. Yeah, right. Do you always happen. do you get feelings about people that you're in the pre, in presence of that something's going on or something's happening? Do you let them know or do you wait until they come to you? It depends on how um, serious it is, and you know, people. I'm sure people are interested in that. And I'll, I'll give a quick example where I was standing in line at a, I was in a Chinese food takeout line. And I knew to trust it, but someone upstairs or whatever wanted me to talk to the lady in line in front of me, and I knew what the topic was, and I and I didn't know how to form it. I didn't know how to how to open the conversation up, and I just started laughing. I said, "Hey, I got to ask you something. You don't have a dog with you. You don't have a German Shepherd with you right now. But if you did, why do I feel like if I tried to pat it on the back, it's going to bite me?" And I'd have to, you know, get out of here. And she looked at me like, why are you saying that? And I just said, "Um," I said, I really don't know, but does that mean anything to you? And she said, well, actually it does. And I get this, her daughter went to the hospital a week earlier. She's only 18. She went there for a stomachache or something mild. And I think, what what the hell did she get, staph or something? And died overnight within a 24-hour period. Oh, no. Now, so. Yeah, and seven days later, mom and dad went to her condo where her her boyfriend is still, 
and he's going to move back up north, but he didn't want the dog. He wanted her mom and dad to keep the uh, German Shepherd, and they did. But when they got it home, they found out something's wrong with its back. It's very tender, and if you go to touch the back, he'll bite you. Oh, there you go. So that was the daughter coming in, and somehow the daughter knew that I would be able to hear the message, give it to the mom, and, you know, we took it from there. But totally unexpected, totally unexpected. So where does your guidance come from? What are you connected with? Do you feel that you're connected to specific spirit guides or angelic forms? or Where are you getting all of this, do you feel? I really feel it's my own mother in spirit because I've had a few things that would kind of relate back to my mom. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of think, I thank her every time I do a reading. And if I'm thanking the wrong person, whoever it is up there, they're intelligent enough to know I'm still thanking the person responsible. To me, I feel like it is my mom. And I feel like what happened with my mother is she wanted to do this because she had the ability. But as it turns out, she um, she never got the opportunity to really expand it. And now that she mm-hmm. sees that I am, that I'm doing it, she's able to do it through me. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. That yeah. is wonderful. Really, really, such a great connection between you and your mom and her abilities that she couldn't use when she was alive. So it is intergenerational because it went from your grandmother to your mother to you. Yes. So is there, mm-hmm. What about your children? Do they also have this gift? Actually, my son does, and he's weird with it, I'll tell you. He rarely uses it. He's 16 now, and he, you know, I'm a single dad. He, uh, I went to a, I don't know if you've ever heard of Casadega, Florida, but that's where they have like a spiritualist camp down there. And I w- I've gone there a couple of times to do the church service followed by, you know, group readings later in the afternoon. So he went with me, and, and I thought, let him see what I do. I don't really encourage him doing it. But I wanted him to see the people, see how, see what it does for yeah. the people when you give them these messages. You know, let him appreciate what it's all about because you don't know what he's going to hear at school and everything. So anyway, we did the group reading, and he's he's in the other room with all the young kids. You know, the parents had like a that was a playroom for the for the younger kids with a person there to watch them. So when it was all over, he um, he came into the the room that I was in, walked up on stage, and. Out of the 200 people, there were probably 50 people left in the room. And it really surprised me that a lady said, hey, I want a reading from your son. And just as I was getting ready to say, he doesn't do readings. I've never seen him do one. Mm -hmm. He said, yeah, Dad, I can do one. Can I do it? And I thought, oh, my God. Wow. You know, no stage fright, no nothing. Mm -hmm. I think then he would have been about 11 or 12. But it was Mm -hmm. so sweet. He tilted his head back, closed his eyes, and I'm thinking like, where in the world did he learn that from? I never do anything like that. <laughs> and then he looks at the lady and he says, I know you wanted to hear from your mother. Your mother was born in New York City and that's where she died. And the woman said, oh, my gosh, you're right. And and just like there was no audience at all, he turned to me and said, hey, Dad, that was easy. They showed me the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> so, oh, my God. Which, I know, which is telling me at least he's seeing things, he's putting it together, he knew how to work it. And here's the part that really freaked me out a little. He looked at her. He says, I don't know what your mom's doing, but I see her wearing some kind of like a a lab coat, safety glasses. She's smashing glass on a table. Why is she doing that? And the woman said, well, my mom was in very, very deep therapy because of things that happened to her. And one of the treatments was to go in and smash glass 
and in a controlled environment in a room. And the third thing he gave, which was equally like amazing, he said, now I'm on an airline. We're heading back to the United States. I'm not the pilot. I'm the navigator looking out the window. And I'm thinking, where's he getting all these words? <laughs> yeah. And we're having a flame out on one of the four engines. Oh and she goodness. said, yeah, that was uh, my, my daughter flew in from Hawaii just a couple of weeks ago, and one of the engines had a flame out. My so <clears throat> you put that together, and it's like, I guess he can do it with no problem. He, he's done yeah, one he, or two other things. Yeah, he, he's brought my own dad through for me a couple of times. Very unexpected. Like we'll be watching a movie on TV, and he'll start laughing and say, hey, your dad's here, and this is what he's doing. And it'll, it's always very accurate, very accurate. Gosh. When I was That's younger, amazing. my mother would always go to, she would usually say, you can't do something. I've got that feeling in my stomach. And every time she <laughs> said that, whatever was to transpire, we, we already knew. You don't do it. You have to back off. But she was always picking up things. And we had a hard time in- trying to get around her because when she said it, we tried to dodge it once or twice. And it always came back as not a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you said that, it just kind of popped in my head quickly that I wonder if back then we didn't have the uh, communications that we have today. So I wonder if more people relied on intuition. You don't have to rely on it anymore. When something happens, you get a text. Well, that's right. You know, and they're so right. You you don't even have to uh, walk outside to know what the weather is or look outside. You just look at your phone. It's but I think a lot of Poor, people are, are losing losing their contact. Or you ask uh, that way. You, you ask Alexa, Alexa, what's it doing outside? Right, she'll tell you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's how much of our you know original ancient wisdom do we want to hang on to and. I, I think you're right. A lot of the electronics obfuscate it, so it has to be a delicate balance, more or less. Yeah. So uh, we've got another caller, and then I want to check with you and PK to see if you pick up anybody around her. So let's just take this call, and we're going to make it a fairly quick call. Let's bring this person on if I can get this board to work. Hi, 804 Erie Code. You're live on the air. Do you have a question for Chuck? Yes, happy holidays to everyone. I actually spoke with Chuck a few months ago. I don't know if he'll remember me, but what he was saying about James von Prague, I actually grew up in the same town, Bayside, New York, which was the first Hollywood. Uh, What I wanted to ask Chuck is I have something time-sensitive. I'm looking to be a bridge to help uh, the police and the community cooperate better together because of all the chaos going on. My life was saved by the police, yet I was set up uh, by a corrupt police sergeant who's now dead. I, uh, My civil rights are probably totally violated, but I forgive everyone. I just want a teaching point to come out. Do you see what can happen now with all the chaos? Can we finally get to a place where respect is given and and I, I support the police totally, but I don't support corrupt police or Gestapo police. I'm with you totally, and I, I do recognize your voice. I don't recall your name at the moment, which is okay, but I do remember the conversation we had. Now, you, uh, you got a lovely voice. It's very hypnotic in a way. I keep wanting to, I'd rather you go on and on all night instead of me. Uh, <laughs> something about it, you know, and, and very uh, 
very well, easy to listen to. Well, ladies know me. They can give me feedback, and uh, yeah. I'd love to work with you, too. <laughs> <laughs> I know who it is. <laughs> I'll keep it quiet. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when it comes to something like that, that, I have John? no idea what, what, what they'll give me. But, you know, all I'm going to say is things changed dramatically from the time I got on the department and, you know, the 30 years that I served until I got off. Uh, and now they've had another bout of, you know, the the body cams, which I think are helping the police more than they're hurting. And if nothing else, who's going to go berserk on someone if if you know it's all being recorded? You know, you're going to you're going to be polite. You're going to you know, you're being recorded. And so yeah, should the other person. And in some cases, I do understand, you know, you get into a high speed chase with someone and your heart is pumping out of your chest because you don't know if you're going to lose control and hurt yourself or someone else. So, you know, to a point, I understand their frustration with it. But I think everything that's happened, it's kind of put the police on even a straighter path than before. Everything is documented. You can go anywhere. There's cameras everywhere anymore. You know, oh, whether know. you're in a store, every corner, every parking lot, whatever, it definitely has its pluses to it. But there's also the drawbacks of occasion. Yeah. There is. Well, I, thanks, you know, I guess my theory is if you Thank you for your call. I'm just going to put the caller back on mute. Let me just do that. Thank you. So that we can continue this conversation. So, yeah, there is this fine line with everything. So, mm-hmm. Little anyway, sometimes you had mentioned in the book you mentioned about going to different uh, areas to hone in on your skills, actually, to to learn more from others that what you have received. Do you recommend that someone that that has feelings that they have a talent for helping read that they go through looking for other mediumships? or uh, going to different areas where they can practice and get to use the skills that they have. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, you got to be careful on who you select. I've gone to different, uh, like, uh, meditation groups, and mm-hmm. it just wasn't my cup of tea, the way they were run and the way they, they, they did things. I'm more of a nuts and bolts type of person. I, I want realism with it. I want proof. And sometimes you get that and sometimes you don't. But as far as developing it, if you're that hungry for it, once you realize you have it, I couldn't stop. I was going two and three times a week. In fact, at one point, I don't tell this story often, but I will, where I got, again, called into the chief's office and uh, he offered a drug test for me to take a drug test. And I laughed and I said, you got to be kidding. I've never touched this stuff. You know, you got the wrong guy. And he said, oh, no. He said, Several of the detectives have noticed and a couple of other people have noticed your behavior when you leave your office on Fridays especially and you come back after lunch, they said you're high as a kite. <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what was happening is I would leave the station, go down the street to a meditation group, and always felt so good, so <laughs> uplifted, you know? And what a way to start your weekend. So I would go back, and when the guys are – you know, complaining about work and everything like they do. I didn't care, and they knew that. They said, what's wrong with Chuck all of a sudden? So it's not that I was acting silly or crazy. I just didn't have a worry in the world. I didn't have a care in the world when I would come back from meditation. So it was so funny. Even And I'll never forget the way it felt. He said, if you have a drug problem and admit to it now, we will send you out for rehab, 
and you'll keep your job. If we have to do all the work and have you tested and get a subpoena and all that, you're going to be fired. And I said, well, I'll do what you want. I'll I'll volunteer if you want. But I knew I had nothing to worry about. And as it came about a little later, he he agreed. He said, nah, okay, you're all set. Don't worry about it. But that was kind of a scary thing to think that, you know, my career could have ended over something like this. Yeah, that is something. Well, PK has been very anxious to see if you pick up with anything around her, anybody around her, any messages for her. Can you do that? I'll give it a shot. I usually need to hear your voice a little bit longer, PK, so just say anything at all and then I'll... Is there anything you you talk about? No, just hearing even that. Um, okay. Not getting much yet, but I do feel a woman present, and I feel older. Is your mom in spirit? Yes, she is. If, yes, if I had my is. choices, I, I really do feel like I'm, I'm going to go with her, but she's got to give me something that you're going to recognize as being your mom. Would I see her around different pets like dogs, several? She wasn't fond of animals per se. Do you have any pets that have gone over recently, especially a dog? Because she's around a dog or a couple dogs around her right now. That's strange. Uh, when I was a kid, I had a dog, but Mother never liked animals that well, so she made me give it away. And uh, I always I thought about that dog. I've used it for my passwords and different things over the years. <laughs> I still think of that little It was a little white dog, and uh, she she tried, but she just, had, she, it's like she could smell the animals, and it, it always stressed her out. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if she's just talking about, and I wouldn't know that. It's the fact that you like mm-hmm. the animals or you like the dogs, and it was dog right. in particular that she's trying to get my my attention with. So let me just try something else with her just to see what I can get. Um, and I'm feeling really unhappy with the way a work environment treated your mom. Did she get fired for something she didn't do or? No, uh, actually, she, she was a stay-at-home mom, but she loved to. She was always investigating things. She she was one. She would get these gut feelings about things. She always wanted to know the how come and the what fors. She had a very good mind. She was a very good writer. She liked, she would go write all these different stories about different things. I could be picking up on that, but let me ask you: Did that happen to you, PK? Were you? Improperly fired, or you felt like it was? Yes, I was painful. Way back when, and this will happen. This will happen where I don't know if she's talking about herself or talking about you. The dog was about you, and I think the the firing or the, you know, losing the job, which most you know a lot Mm -hmm. of us lose. Most of us quit over a period of time. You know, that's not going to happen. It was a situation that if I stayed, a person that had three children and was responsible for them, would not have a job. So I let my job go so that they could have uh, employment. Yeah, and that does that have that kind of feel to it, like an unfair thing happened to you. All right, now here's a strange one. I do like the strange ones. Do you ever have a car that was completely painted over? It doesn't have to be that it went to a, a totally different color, but I feel it was painted top to bottom. Yeah, I believe so, yes. That's a weird one, and I've never said that to anyone during a reading out of 30 years' worth of readings. 
But I know what I'm symbolically. It's like she poured a bucket of paint on a car. Made me feel like it took an entire job to fix this thing up. <laughs> My children decided to help. We had a black station wagon, and I went outside, and the children, the two boys, were outside painting it white. That would really so, work for me. Yes. Yep. That's not and so we had to have to something done because of that. And when I screamed, when I saw what they did, they threw the paint up in the air, and of course it went over the rest of the car. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> That's funny. That was cute. It's, it, I know it's your mom's energy, and I like the way it, the way all of this is happening. Now you go by PK. I'm feeling a P in the, her name also. The letter P. No, her name was Marion. Marion? No, I'm getting a P sound. Is someone else around you another P sound? Other than you? I have a friend that lives close by. Her name is Phyllis. It could be. I'd rather it be a family member. But and I, what I my, my technique is don't burn too much energy on one thing if it's not making sense at the moment. And sometimes later on, the next day or two, people will remember, you know, and they'll know, like, oh, now I know what they were talking about. But I'm mean, just see what else I can get. This is a funny one where I feel like I'm sitting in a park feeding squirrels or pigeons or sitting in a park, beautiful park. Did you do I'm that? even getting park bench. Can't think of okay. anything in particular. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh. I can't think of anything in particular. I always enjoyed going down by the water, and there was like a park there. When I lived in Maryland. Let me explain, too, what they'll do sometimes is just to get me to say the word park. Because if she showed me what it really was, I may not I may not get it across. To me, it looked like a park. She wanted me to use the keyword park. And if there, there was a special park that you remember, and it's pretty important, I'm sure. And that's why she's bringing that up. So I can only go by what, by what she's uh, showing. Um, when's the last time you had pizza? Oh, gosh. A few months ago, I guess. No, I want something funny about pizza or a reason why we're not doing pizza. I mean, I know I in my way. My... Yeah, we're all kind of pinned down. Well, my mother was Italian, and, of course, we had that as a kid. But we, My grandmother used to fix it. She used to call cuturuni, and uh, <laughs> that was like the bread with the tomatoes and onions and everything on it. Oh, yeah. Because she's showing me a pizza, and I knew, and I'm sure that's why. And yeah. Probably grandmother is here right. along with it. Hmm. All right. All right. Let's well, let try this you, one. This is a valid. Yeah. Let's do one more, just, and then I just want to take it in another direction. Okay. Mm-hmm. Broken chimney. No. I don't know if we'd call it a broken chimney. I. Uh, I had a uh, townhouse when I lived in Maryland, and the chimney caught fire. And uh, I didn't know. I was didn't realize that you had to have them clean periodically. Nobody told uh-huh. me that part. <clears throat> that would work for me, though, because it was kind of like being broken because it wasn't clean. It caught on fire. Right. I had one up in uh, New England, too. I know what that's like. It scared the heck out of me. My a- neighbors called yeah. your house. Oh yeah, my God! That's a big deal. Very dangerous. Oh, you betcha. Yeah. Very big oh deal when it happens. Yeah. 
Thank you broken, for doing you know, that. They don't get into the details, but they, they do put me in the right area, the right feeling mm-hmm. for what happened there. Yeah. And, and one, one, one last thing, and I won't give any more, but I'm seeing a beautiful fish, like a goldfish. Uh-huh. My mother was a Pisces, and I had different things I did for her at different times that revolved around that. Oh, okay. I forgot you were into that. Okay. You got to explain <laughs> that to me one day. <laughs> okay. I'll share with you. Have a class. That's great. Well, thank you, Chuck, for doing that. Let me ask was, you about some of the uh, celebrities you. that you've contacted. All right. Because <laughs> Bruce Lee was one of them, and he was quite an amazing person. There's still mystery he around really his death. So, what did you find a, when you communicated uh, an amaz- with him? An amazing. Yeah, that was an amazing situation when it happened. I was contacted by a production company, and the person kind of asked me that question. He said, if we have a family member of a of someone, you know, like superstar, would I be able to connect with, with their family member, you know, the star? Would I be able to do that? And I said, typically from what I've witnessed, yes. You know, if, if it's family, then they'll come through for their family. So he wanted to bring a crew down to Florida and and videotape, you know, for a show they were doing with me sitting with Bruce Lee's only living brother, Robert. And I had the the great idea because I, at that time, I, I had the ability to do it. I said, instead of everyone coming here, you know, the, you know, Bruce's brother and the production crew and all that, why don't I go to Hollywood and we'll do it there? You know, just one person traveling which naturally they wanted to do that. Yeah. So he ended up going, yeah. And, you know, I go on stage with, um, with his, with Robert, the brother, and no idea if Bruce is going to come through or not. You know, I've been praying the whole time. In fact, I remember leaving Jacksonville international airport, looking at all the other people doing their normal stuff. And I'm going, boy, if they had a clue where I'm heading and what I'm supposed to be doing, (laughs) you know, what would they think about it? So, we arrive, we do our thing, we get on stage, and Bruce, um, he didn't show himself to me. I, I could feel his energy. I knew he was around when we got on stage to do the reading, and it was so amazing. I looked at the brother, Robert, and the first thing out of my mouth, first time I'm acting uncomfortable. I'm moving my neck around, my head around, and I'm adjusting my tie on my shirt, but I'm not wearing a tie. I'm thinking, why am I sensing that? Why am I doing that? And then I held my thumb and forefinger up like I had an already tied tie in my hand. So as I'm holding that up in the air, I said, Robert, what can you tell me about a thin black tie? And he goes, oh, funny you would mention that yesterday. My wife and I were at home talking about me, Chuck, coming from Florida to connect with Bruce. And did they think I could really do it or not? Anyway, he said, then we had to go to the uh, store and do a couple of errands. And he said uh, he went into his bedroom in his socks drawer where he keeps his car keys and wallet. He kept them in the same place all the time. Well, don't you know, he puts that in his pocket and he's looking in the drawer. He comes walking in holding a black tie exactly like I demonstrated on camera, even though I didn't have anything in my hand. And he said to his wife, this black tie was in my socks drawer. Do you know anything about it? And she said, oh, yeah, Bruce wore that in the um, Green Hornet series. Hmm. And he says, well, 
we've auctioned off or donated all of his stuff that we had. Did you put it in my socks drawer? And he goes, and she goes, I didn't put it there. And they're the only two that lived there. And it wasn't there when he put his wallet and keys in the socks drawer. So in that short amount of time, how did it appear? And it was so funny on camera. I leaned back in my chair and I put my hands up. I said, don't look at me. I was in Florida yesterday. I didn't do it. <laughs> but, you know, you've got to look at that a little bit further. How did it end up in the socks drawer? And, and better yeah. yet, how the heck did I know about what was in his socks drawer? Yes. Well, and Bruce Lee himself, there was there was a lot of talk about him being so talented as a martial artist, but that he was also moving so fast, he was actually able to change dimensions. And I was wondering if you did ever find out when you connected with him any more about his ability or what killed him, because there was a lot of controversy about that. There is, and I, not knowing anything about that end of his life, I had never read about it or had real interest in it. You know, I, I knew he had died, but I I had no interest. And in I have to preface this with, in the room was a person named, uh, an author named David Tadman, who had written, I think he said nine different books on Bruce Lee, but he was his buddy and he used to go with him to different places. So he knew more than the average person about Bruce. He yeah. was there to make sure that I didn't read books on the plane or whatever to try to give that as communication. So I had to go above and beyond what was written in any books about Bruce to make that whole, you know, interview legit. And at the very end, it came in as a, someone said the word to me from the spirit world, clear as a bell, mercury poisoning. <gasps> and I remember no, David, David said, I knew it. I, so it was intentional. It was a, it was a hit. And at the time, from what I heard, uh, Bruce was having an affair with, uh, What's the delicate way to put it? The wife of a mafia member? Oh, that's, that's a good no idea. No. Yeah. Nope, that would not be good. Nope. But he Isn't said, yeah. That interesting? Uh, and by the way, they, he did say that the autopsy did show elevated levels of mercury, which I thought, wow, I didn't even, I'd never heard of any of that. So. I haven't but again, either. There I you are with the tr- other things. Yeah, but not that. Yeah, did you? Yeah, I heard brain aneurysm and also, you know, other things that were more uh, metaphysical, but nobody had an answer. So that's why I wanted to know. So it's interesting that you picked up it was mercury poisoning and a hit. Wow, mystery solved. I like it. Yeah, and I don't know, you know, I remember when it happened, I was shocked. I said, you know, I know what I heard. So, And if I hear it like that, I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to trust. You have to. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Gosh, amazing. And what about other celebrities? Have you been involved with communicating with any celebrities who've passed recently or within the last five years? I don't know if it's within five years, but it's worth talking about anyway. And I've talked about it before in other shows, only because it's really my favorite favorite one. Where uh, two women booked a reading to you know have here in my house. They live in Jacksonville. And I'm not far. I'm just outside of Jacksonville. So they come over to have a reading, and they um, I don't know anything about them. You know, they were very secretive on the phone, like, we blocked our number. We did this. We did that. We don't want you to know anything. I said, that's fine. Come on over. We'll make it happen. And the cool thing is when they sat down in front of me, there was another sofa off to the right with no one in it. 
But in my vision, I'm seeing the two girls sitting in front of me, and then I'm seeing a woman in spirit, clear as a bell. There was no difference in her makeup and her clothing and her skin tone than the two girls sitting in the two sisters sitting in front of me. Hmm. So I thought, wow, this is going to be pretty easy. I can see I can see their mother, and she told me how she died. In fact, it was it was a different kind of story. She said she entered the hospital with a case of pneumonia. Things went wrong, and she died in the hospital. And it was only weeks ago, you know, when we had the reading. So anyway, I'm going on with the reading, and I kind of glance over because I'm in awe that I can see their mother detailed, and I'm not telling them that I see her. And then all of a sudden, it goes wacky. I hear a man's voice. He's sitting next to this lady, and it's Ray Charles. And I knew the voice as soon as I heard it. Hey, Chuck, tell them I'm here. Ha, ha, ha. And he's laughing. He's got his sunglasses on. He's in a white V-neck T-shirt. And of all things, red paisley boxer shorts. (laughs) And I know, knowing what what I know about the spirit world and how they communicate, I said, there's got to be a story behind that. So I'm going to find out later. Anyway, we go on with the reading. and, And he keeps saying, come on, tell them I'm here. And I'm going, no, they'll think I'm crazy. I'm not going to say Ray Charles is sitting in my living room. So finally, <laughs> Lovey, the one sister, says, Chuck, who are you looking at? There's no one over there. She said, but the look on your face, you're seeing someone. I said, yeah, okay, I'll have level with you. I'm seeing your mother, and I'm seeing Ray Charles. And they freaked out on me. They were so happy, so excited, because Ray Charles is their brother, and it was right oh. after his death. For oh, heaven's sake. I had no idea. I had no idea. Wow, and amazing. later on, after the reading, uh, I asked, I said, you know, there's got to be a reason. Why did he show up in a white V-neck T-shirt with red paisley boxer shorts? What's up with that? And they started laughing. They said that was a story that no one knew about but the family. And it had to do with when Ray had been traveling the country and getting awards and everything. And one night, the police came to the door, and even the neighbors wouldn't tell anyone that that's where the mother lived. Because, you know, he would visit his mom. I think mm-hmm. he, he lived down at the uh, School for the Blind in St. Augustine, which really isn't that far away. But when he would come to visit mom, the neighbors didn't want the press and the onlookers, so they wouldn't even let it be public that, you know, Ray would visit that location. However, the police had a different issue, knocked on the door and kind of invited themselves in from what they tell me. Well, when they knocked on the door, Ray was in the living room in a white T-shirt and the boxer shorts, and Mom put him in the broom closet and said, stay in here until whoever it is goes away. (laughs) So she opens the door to two cops. They let themselves in, kind of, you know how they do. And uh, all of a sudden, the door kicks open. Ray said, it's hot as hell. I'm not staying in there any longer. And here are two rookie cops looking at Ray Charles (laughs) in his underwear saying, wait a minute. You know, this probably wasn't Stop the kind of home. Yeah, so it was it was just beautiful the way all that played out. But they said that was a private story that never made it, you know, to the movie, never made it in any of the books and all. But they loved talking about that particular story. And that's exactly why Ray decided to wear the boxer shorts to the meeting, you know, to the reading. Um, and one that more thing, so you know, people can say what they want about this world and what I do and being a medium and like it or not like it. But... You know, when they went out to the car, the the two sisters came back in with the Ray Charles family photo album, and I got to sit at my snack bar and turn all the pages and look at Ray. And the two girls were in it in the photo album. So was Ray and his mother, and she looked in the uh, exactly like she is in the 
photo album, you know, the live image that I got to see. But, you know, just to get to do stuff like that I get to do is incredible. What a blessing for you. I mean, that's this is just an amazing, again, you have an amazing life. This is. This is I remarkable. Do. I look. I look and, back yeah, at it. Yeah, you do, and you're you're bringing healing to the world. I'm sure that the two sisters left there with a sense of joy in their heart that oh, that they well, were able sure. to sit with their brother again. You know, and there's one more thing. Since you know, you do investigate the afterlife, and you know, you go well beyond that, which I really appreciate and like. You know, my son is a big. Uh, we used to. Well, I think we've seen every Bigfoot thing on TV when he was growing up. You know, so. And we would discuss it, you know, how we felt about it and everything. So I think that part of it is really cool. And even with with the Ray Charles thing happening at first, I, I was in shock. Like, I can't believe what, what just happened because when the two sisters showed up, I had no idea. I just thought it was going to be another reading. But I got to admit, very few are just simple, everyday readings. Everyone is different. Yeah, and remarkable in, in terms of who you get to meet and what they're sharing and why. And, yeah, you're right. You have to have such a high level of trust to say any of this because, like you said, you thought they would think you're nuts. You're talking to Ray Charles. I know. Turns out to be their brother. Yeah. I, I know where Amazing. I was going with that piece, and I, and I lost my train of thought. But, again, this is in line with your show where Lovey, the, the one sister, told me, she didn't believe in that stuff at all until she came over. And she knew that I didn't know that they were related to Ray Charles. She knew that I had no way of knowing any of that. And the only name they gave me was Lovey and nothing else. So you can't really research right. that. And they blocked their no. phone number. And I said, well, how did you hear about me? And this was amazing. She said a couple of days ago, her mother's spirit came into the bedroom and wake, woke her up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And she said, go to my desk underneath the, the desk pad is a news article. Look this man up and go see him. And I'll never forget it. It was such an honor. She said, you can trust him. And she went and pulled out the newspaper. And I think it was like three or four weeks earlier, I made front page of the Florida Times Union where they said psychic medium in Jacksonville, you know, blah, 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 has -hmm. come back home and all this stuff. So it was the mother who talked the daughter into coming to see me after she had passed away. Amazing. That is wild. Oh, my goodness. I know. I know. Yeah. But, and I trust her when she's telling me about that. Yeah. Amazing. Just, well, Doug, now, can I ask you your birthday just out of curiosity? I'm sorry. What was the question? Could I ask you for your birthday? Birthday? Yeah, now you're going to give my age away. Sure, February 19th, mm-hmm. 1951. Oh, you're a child, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now, what about no, Michael the... Jackson? You you mentioned him in your book also. Did you get to communicate with him or not? I did not, and it was so, I was so sad because what happened there was um, – when I was doing the Bruce Lee thing, one of the people that was also friendly with Bruce Lee, he owned the studio. His name was Felix. I forget his last name. But Felix owned the studio where they did all the animation for um, Avatar, the movie. Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine, how, and he get, took me on a tour of the Avatar studio, you know, where they, they did all that work. And I love computers anyway. So it was really, you know, 
an amazing thing for me to look at. And what happened is he had like his own theater where they do screenings and all that so they could check out the animation. So they let me go on stage and talk about what I was going to be doing the next day with Bruce Lee. And I, you know, for his employees or I don't know, about a hundred people in the room. And after I gave some really remarkable readings in there, one guy said, I work on uh, Michael Jackson's estate. We would love to have you walk the grounds and see what you pick up. But unfortunately I was doing the Bruce Lee taping the next day and then flying home right away. If I had one more day, I would have done it. Mm. Oh, an opportunity that would have been. Yeah. Oh, I he still, was such an I amazing performer, yet such a tragic figure personally. I know, isn't it? I still wonder at this age now, he would probably still have everyone enjoying his singing and dancing, and he'd probably still have that ability oh. if he were here. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he was just an enormous presence. I mean, Mary Charles was as well, but with Michael Jackson, there was this big, big, big personality on stage and then so much trouble underneath. So that maybe can happen get with an a lot of the super figures. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I, what, yeah. A, what a lost thing. If I could have done that, I mean, I thought, and the guy asked, in fact, what did he he said MJ's Ranch, and I thought I was hearing things when he said he worked at MJ's Ranch. You know, I mean, when you go to Hollywood, it's amazing how they're all connected there. Yeah. Oh, yes. The, I said, the MJ Ranch? And he said, yes. And he could get me on. He could get me on the grounds and in the house, he said. Oh, how wow. interesting that would have been. Yeah, maybe it can still happen. It sounds like it would be a great thing to do. So many people are, are still, really would. still interested in him. And even talking about it and wishing I could connect with Michael, he's still not going to come through unless we get a family member, usually. Unfortunately, it's got to go that way. Well, he's got plenty of those. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that is something that could happen. Yeah. Goodness. And anybody else that you can think of that you had a good connection with in spirit? I do, but I don't want to give it. And it's an incredible one, a good one, but... It would give the subject away, and he wouldn't appreciate it, I'm sure. Oh. But it had to do with a a superstar that, I'll just say it, it it's connected with John Lennon. Oh, okay. That should be And this person is connected with John Lennon, and so I'm going to say on that end of it, connected with John Lennon, and everything that came through was totally accurate, but I didn't know that that's who I was talking to or about, until the whole thing was over, oh, then it made goodness. sense. So yeah, it was it was kind of cryptic for a while, but the person receiving the reading knew, and was very 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 close to John wow. Lennon. So mm-hmm. another remarkable performer. Yeah. Gee, yeah. what again? What excitement you have in your life? Meeting all these I never people? know when the phone rings or whatever. I never know. Now, what if somebody would like to have a reading with you? How did they get a hold of you? I, I'm still doing phone readings. I'm kind of not doing a lot of in-house because the you know, the obvious with the COVID. But uh, if you yeah, go on my website, a... there are a couple of places on there you can click. And a little booking calendar you book, pick your date and time. You know, it'll, it'll only give you what's available. And uh, then I call you. And we so do you're... it over the phone. and. 
And you're at Chuck Bergman, B-E-R-G-M-A-N.com, right? Right. And if you can't remember that, put in Psychic Cop. My book will pop up, which also links back to the website. So you are available for individual readings, and you probably don't do so much with group readings anymore because of COVID, so it's more individual. And what about when law enforcement does want you to get involved? Give us a scenario. What's likely to happen? It can go in several different directions. Uh, what I've, I, I've had a bad experience where I went all the way to Texas and it was it was very sad. I think six girls went missing in a um, like a two week period or something. And wow, I started picking lot. up a lot of valuable information. I even said at the end of it, all the girls will return home, but one one will never come home. Oh. And that was like a six years ago, and she's still the only one that has not returned home out of that group. And I don't want to, I don't want to give too much, but there was a possibility that they had formed like a suicide pact because oh. kids were doing that back then, making you know those kind of agreements. And it was sad. But what happened here was the detectives with the police that had me come and do this, and I, it was fortunate that I had someone I could even stay with while I was there. And don't forget, the police aren't going to write you a check or cover your expenses or anything. No. So. Yeah, no. yeah, I was lucky that I had a, a friend there that put me up and even gave me a car to use. I don't want to brag, but it was a Jaguar. It was nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, thank God it was a nice so car. So I wasn't doing that bad. Yeah, <laughs> she was a great lady and really helped out with that. But what happened was I gave um, unbelievable information. And they had already been working on that case for months and I, I came up with stuff that took them months to find out. And just as I was zeroing in on who who committed the murder and where the body was, this is all on day number one, the lead detective wanted me out. Ugh. He said, well, he's had all day and he hasn't found the body yet. For God's you know. sake. I said, well, it right. took you how many months and you didn't find it either yet. But That's then I come right. to find out, then I find out one of the female officers that he was had an interested in an interest in was also claiming to be a psychic and wanted to overshadow me that she could do better uh. and he wanted to give her the chance oh wow so i said okay and i i'll never forget i just said okay then i'll go back to jacksonville in fact i said i got to mow the lawn i didn't do it before i left so i got to go back and do that you know and <laughs> in other words oh. i guess this is important to anyone but yeah, some of the details that came out of that case were just amazing. I want to give that, you one thing, is... I, just to give you an idea of what a what a police case like that can be like, where yeah. the daughter was a, a true artist. She could sketch better than anyone I've ever seen. Her room, they took me in her bedroom just to let me get the feel of who she was, and I could see all these sketches everywhere. They were beautiful. The last day we're there, I'm with my uh, sister Linda, and we're getting ready to, um, you know, go to the airport and fly back home. And we went to the restaurant where this girl and her boyfriend used to work. We sit down at a table to have lunch. And I said, I don't want to sit here. I want a booth over there. And I didn't know why I said that. Once we sat at the booth, I'm looking at my sister, but on the edge of the booth, the, 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 what would be the armrest almost of the sideboard, I right. could see a piece of paper tuck, tucked in there. I pulled the, 
that I pulled it out, and there was a picture of a gun, a grave, and real scary stuff, no doubt drawn by that same missing oh. person. Oh, my God, oh, you it was, found it. Wow. It's weird that I had to sit at that table. It's weird that I had to go there for our last lunch. You know, it was all so bizarre, and it was definitely that girl's drawing, but it had to do with a, a hand coming out of a gravesite with a forty five automatic in the hand and ghostly stuff all around it, but it was definitely her drawing. And again Incredible. the the police Incredible the police wanted wanted the newcomer female officer to take over. And here we are about five, six years later, that one person is still just a missing person. What a shame. Huff. That was a big mistake on their part. You know, Chuck, unfortunately, we're running out of time, and it's so delightful having you on the show. And something you might be very happy to hear that your friend William did say last time he was on, the paranormal is going to be front and center for a number (laughs) of years, starting next year. And so he said it's going to be amazing the kinds of technology that we're going to have access to and being able to see people on the other side so it's going to be just incredible but anyways we're going to have to have you back and continue this amazing conversation again everybody go to chuckbergman.com the book is called psychic cop and you don't want to be without that book it's excellent it's it's a great christmas gift it really is great i made it short and quick so you wouldn't get bored i hope it's a great great book very nice read enjoyed it very much thank you So we will be back next week, everybody, with another exciting show. Merry Christmas. Be safe, everyone. We'll be back again, and we're going to keep talking about spirit world next time. So join us then. Until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night and wonderful holiday. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls. Oh,